It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody, on this Tuesday. We're back down at the Working Man's Beach, Surf City, America, and uh, it is the Patrick Johnson Show. Nice to be with you today. We've got uh, Jim Zoki going to be on with us. Uh, we visited uh, every week during the football season with Zoke uh, for the last several years here on the PJ Show. Zoke's uh, a friend, and, of course, Jim uh, was named last week, Friday, in fact, as the uh, interim voice of ECU football uh, and the radio broadcasts for the 2023 season. Jim, of course, uh, works with the Panthers radio network. So we're going to have uh, Jim uh, with us here a little bit later on this hour. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, ECU play-by-play football gig, but we're also going to talk with Jim uh, about the uh, Panthers who uh, had their 10th day of preseason workouts and the Jets are coming in uh, for dual practices the next couple of days and then those teams will play one another on Saturday at four in the afternoon on uh, uh, the Panthers radio network we'll have it for you on 1037 WTIB that day starting at three so all that is uh, going on and uh, that is uh, a conversation that's going to be coming your way uh, pardon me in just uh, a little bit uh, elsewhere Pirate Report today. Have that for you next segment. Coach Houston uh, talking to the media after the Pirates went through their first full pad practice. So a uh, complete rundown of that coming up in uh, just uh, a little bit. Uh, Also, uh, other news and notes going on, including uh, one of the big stories that uh, continues to persist is one that uh, folks are keeping an eye on. Um, Of course, uh, there is now uh, an update According to this guy named Jim Williams, Jim is uh, on Twitter or uh, X at uh, at JW Media DC, and uh, let's check Jim to make sure he's not a crackpot. He's the Washington-based CEO of LJC uh, Media Consulting, seven-time Emmy Award-winning TV producer and director. Uh, hosts uh, a podcast. He's a, a columnist with Ford. Uh, so he's a guy that is, uh, you know, fairly linked in to the broadcast world. Uh, I've actually read some of Jim's uh, posts about other things in the past. So uh, he's got an update that he posted earlier today. Update ACC wants Stanford and Cal. And the American would take Cal, Stanford, OSU, and WSU, Oregon State, and Washington State. So uh, he's saying the American would take all four. Where we had Brett McMurphy on yesterday, he called it merely a, a kind of a publicity stunt from the American's perspective. Uh, he referenced that Jim Williams, the Mountain West, would like a merger. The Pac-4 adding more schools and staying at conference uh, could be too late for that option, he tweets. The American seems to be the best option if the four want to stay together. And I think that's what it comes down to is, is Stanford going to want to stay uh, in a situation with 
uh, Oregon State and Washington State. I could see a situation where they would want to stay with Cal. Now, Cal's very nervous because it is the athletic department with the most debt of any in the country. So they're trying to figure out where do we get anything close to this type of money. Um, there's analysis that uh, the American deal, it was $7 million. It could be as much as ten. I think it depends on how the, the payout goes. I know there's been a little bit of uh, working with the new institutions to help uh, provide some relief with their entry fee and space it out over time and that kind of thing. Mike Oresco and the, uh, the group have been good enough to do that uh, with, uh, with them. So that is something that, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not quick as quick to dismiss the deal with uh, all four to the American as Brett was yesterday. I, I don't know anything. I'm just, I'm trying to look at this logically. And while I do think it is a bit of a long shot, if the four want to stay together and there's any way they feel like uh, that they could uh, maybe enhance and the American feels like they could enhance their TV deal and they get a little more out of it, maybe so. But, you know, Cal and Stanford aren't huge TV draws. The other two are far from TV draws. I mean, they are, they are truly the secondary uh, universities in their respective states in the Pacific Northwest, and, and that is by a wide margin. So we'll see uh, if this plays out. I, again, I like the idea. I think it's being proactive, and you're not going to get an opportunity like this where you're not going to have to wait on anybody if you're Mike Oresco. So my hope is that this could come uh, and materialize and be something that is done. We'll see, though. I think there's a lot uh, left to happen with uh, with this uh, particular uh, deal. Now, um, obviously, the Mountain West wants them to stay, but the Pac-12 is not going to get the kind of money. We don't even have a TV deal at this point, so there's no money out there to be had in the Pac-12, and there's nobody that that conference probably feels like they can add that would uh, bring the type of value they get currently with UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington, the Arizona institutions, Utah even, which has uh, had a pretty big name uh, in college football over the last few years. Uh, report this morning from the Associated Press, the four remaining Pac-12 schools still aboard for next season. California, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State have options if they are looking for another conference. The Atlantic Coast Conference is exploring the possibility of adding the West Coast schools with an emphasis on California and Stanford in the San Francisco Bay Area. A person with knowledge of the discussions told the Associated Press the person spoke on the condition of anonymity because the ACC was not making its internal discussion public and the conversations were still in the early stages. Of course, ESPN reported this yesterday as well. A person said the ACC's presidents are expected to dig into the merits of expansion again today and that the conference does not plan to draw out making a decision. The American... Uh, according to this AP article, also has interest in expanding West and adding all four Pac-12 teams. A person with direct knowledge of the league's internal discussion told the AP on the condition of anonymity. The AAC schools, the AAC has schools as far west as the Dallas area. The UC Board of Regents scheduled a special closed session meeting for today to discuss Cal's conference affiliation. So that's uh, UC Berkeley. 
The Pac-12 lost five members last week after a potential media rights contract with Apple left the school seeking a better deal. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah announced they would join Colorado and the Big 12. Oregon and Washington decided to follow Southern Cal and UCLA to the Big Big 10 uh, all next summer. The abrupt departures have raised the possibility the Pac-12, which dates back to 1916, will completely dissolve sooner rather than later. Washington State's president, Kirk Schultz, released a letter on Monday saying the Cougars believed the Pac-12 membership was ready to move forward with the Apple deal, only to be shocked by the decisions by Washington and Oregon to leave for the Big Ten. Uh, A quote from Schultz, I genuinely felt that on Friday morning we would sign the needed paperwork, finalize the deal with Apple, and move the Pac-12 towards a new and brighter future. A person with the Apple deal says that uh, the details had not been uh, made public, but it would generate 23 to 25 million per year per school with escalator clauses based on subscribers. The deal would also provide no guarantees of games being sold to linear networks, but would have left the possibility open for that consideration. The Mountain West, according to this article, is the most logical spot for the Pac-12 schools to land geographically if they want to leave their former conference behind altogether a person familiar with discussions in the league told the ap that the leaders have been strategizing the possibility of trying to add pac-12 schools since last week the mountain west and aac so-called group of five conferences the article reads we're adding uh we're adding power five schools would be considered an upgrade in most cases uh, Schultz said that he and the athletic director, Pat Shun, have been in contact with multiple conferences and remain in regular contact with the remaining Pac-12 schools. Uh, the ACC, however, is a fellow Power 5 conference and seems like a strange option. It has 14 members, none further west than Louisville. And while cross-country travel would be challenging, Stanford and Cal do uh, fit the profile in the league that has the likes of Duke, Wake Forest, and Boston College. The ACC has been exploring ways to bring more revenue to keep up with the Big Ten and Southeast Conference. Uh, And Florida State leaders have insisted the ACC must do something because what they say is an unfavorable media rights contract. So, uh, wouldn't be your granddaddy's ACC by any stretch. I think if you're any of these schools, particularly Cal and Stanford, in order to have uh, access to the college football playoff and still be at the uh, so-called big boy table, the ACC may make the most sense. That leaves Oregon State and Washington State out in the cold. There's no way that the Mountain West is going to, unless it's a conference-wide deal, agree to any kind of merger with the Pac-12. And I don't know if the Apple deal would be on the table still. Uh, if uh, the Mountain West were to to merge into the Pac-12 in some way, shape, or form. Uh, geographically, it does make sense for uh, at least those northwestern uh, schools to go to the Mountain West, especially if Stanford and Cal are headed elsewhere. Uh, again, I'm, I'm of the opinion the American, if you had to take all four, so be it. If they're fa- fairly solidified, uh, but I think the American getting to 20 – should be the end game here. Um, And you'd have that because you have enough schools, currently 14, uh, in basketball and football with Navy playing football only, uh, Wichita State playing basketball only. And I I do think uh, those four schools would would make a lot of sense. There is some out clauses to and some, uh, some time left on the deal for the Mountain West, but 
I would think if you bring those four on and you're Mike Oresco, you could probably uh, look at the possibility of adding perhaps Boise State, although Boise's got their own special deal with the Mountain West where they get more money and they control the rights to their home games. That's why Boise's always popping up, it seems, on ESPN late night uh, during the football season. Uh, and then, you, of course, you have San Diego State there. I think that's uh, that's the one that, uh, to me, would be a really uh, good institution to gather and give you that presence throughout California and along the West Coast. We'll see. Uh, again, a lot of that with the Mountain West is just kind of uh, spitballing, but uh, if you can work through the deals with them and ESPN wants it, that's the case. I, you know, I don't. ESPN would have to go back to the negotiating table with whoever uh, if those schools are added. I don't know how willing and quickly ESPN wanting would be wanting to do that. And I hear all the stuff everybody's saying about well, ESPN can't afford to pay. Uh, all these rights fees that they have out, maybe not, but before they sell a single ad, they're getting money already from the subscribers. And I get people are cutting uh, cave, uh, cutting the cable, but that is not the phenomena that it was just two or three years ago, you know, especially with uh, streamers upping their rates exponentially. So I do think that, uh, you know, the, the ESPN deal is still pretty strong. And even if it does spin off away from Disney, it's still going to be strong. Uh, where they're getting hammered on the rights deals are, in my opinion, with the NBA. I, I, you know, I know that's a big part of their programming, but I just I don't know if that's you know what what that is as far as something that you can feel like uh, you're getting a good uh, ROI. You know, maybe, but I mean, I you know we don't discuss it here. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched an NBA game. And I think if you're under a certain age, you're not watching the NBA. Uh, and th that certain age and above are the ones that have the disposable income. Uh, anyway, uh, food for thought, conversation for another day. But uh, I still think the American uh, is working actively. And I, I don't, th again, I'm not as quick to dismiss this as McMurphy was yesterday. All right, uh, let's take a T.O., and when we uh, return, we're going to do our pirate report. Pirates wearing pads for the first time today, and uh, we'll have that for you on the other side of this timeout. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Pirate football uh, out today for its uh, first practice in pads. And uh, it was the uh, initial full pad practice. Uh, so far, six practices in the books. Two in shorts, four more, uh, four more in shells today, the seventh. Uh, Pirates uh, beginning its preparation uh, in earnest for the first of two scheduled scrimmages. They'll have one Saturday morning at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, this is uh, Coach Houston uh, talking about the uh, first day in pads. This is cut one. Great first day in pads. It was good to good to finally get out there and uh, and have the first you know real live contact of the year. Uh, I, th I thought we had an outstanding practice, and uh, you know both sides had their moments today during practice, and uh, just but I, I love the intensity level. I loved you know the the positive uh, enthusiasm on both sidelines. I loved the way they competed. 
Uh, just so many positives from today's practice. I thought we had a lot more uh, players kind of, you know, come along today. You know, yesterday I thought, you know, I said there was a separation yesterday. Uh, and, you know, you had part of the team that really excelled and part of them that, uh, you know, didn't handle it very well. Uh, I thought today you had the bulk of the roster that really went out there and competed at a high level today. So, uh, going to be great film to watch this afternoon. Uh, you know, you feel good coming off the practice field. Uh, you know, when you've had a first day of full contact like that and, uh, you know, excited for, uh, excited for this afternoon's film and tomorrow's practice. Uh, that is uh, the assessment uh, today from uh, Coach Houston, and uh, the uh, offense and defense uh, concluded things uh, today with a uh, uh, kind of a session where they went uh, at it with one another. Um, uh, the last thirty minutes uh, they uh, of the practice included that twenty-minute offense versus defense session, which followed uh, goal line and field goal periods uh, for the Pirates. Rajay Harris, uh, how did he perform today, the first day in full pads? Here's Coach Houston's assessment. You know, he's back out there full go now, and, uh, you know, today was an emotional day for him. Uh, he, he had a great day. I mean, his, his intensity level throughout the day was, was fantastic, but certainly, you know, he is a leader on this, on this team and in this program, and, you know, what he says carries a lot of weight. And so uh, that, you know, that kind of leadership there early in practice kind of set the tone for everything. Uh, Coach, also talking about others that stood out the first day in pads. Devin King had a, a huge tackle and forced a fumble during an inside run against a very good running back. And uh, we were kind of giving him a hard time uh, in, in, in film uh, yesterday that uh, we didn't know if he could tackle that kid or not. Uh, he, he sure came through right there, so that was good to see. Um, you know, there, there was so much uh, going on. B.J. Davis had a big play during the goal line short yardage period at the end of practice, a tackle for a loss. Um, I'm sure we had several of those linemen in there. Chad Stevens uh, was very disruptive today. He kind of, you know, this is kind of his, his deal. He's, that's, he, he lives for days like this. So, um, so many. But, uh, you know, look forward to watching the film and being able to spotlight some others. Mike Houston, when asked about how far Jari Patterson has come. Nothing has been given to that kid. Uh, anything that he has gotten has been earned. He has earned the respect of his teammates and his coaches. Uh, and, you know, all of us are so excited for him. But I, say, I think it says a lot about just who he is. The uh, wide receiver scout team award uh, guy uh, last year and uh, is uh, one that is uh, emerging on the scene and the Pirates need some receivers to emerge on the scene. Uh, Coach Houston talked about he loved how the team had a uh, bounce back day at practice today. I love that about preseason camp. You know, I, I, I got, got on to him a little bit last night because, again, you didn't have the entire roster that came out and competed at the level we needed to yesterday. And so to have a practice like that today, there's a ton of mistakes. There's guys that screwed up. But the competition, the intensity was exactly where you want it for the first day of pads. And so it's just a very enjoyable practice to be a part of. And it's going to be exceptional film to uh, teach from and learn from and take that next step towards uh, you know, our scrimmage on Saturday. Yep, uh, we'll run through the pirate schedule uh, when we wrap things up here. Uh, Coach Houston, on how uh, everything's uh, been doing as far as the return game with punts and kicks. Punt return, uh, Josh Murphy, Brock Spaulding, uh, Javius Bond, um, Jalen Johnson. Those are probably the top four. Uh, all four of them are doing really well. Um, kick return, uh, Javius and Brock are both, both involved over there. Gerald Green, Marlon Gunn. Um, Jari, 
program for Rajay over there. So, you know, you've, you've got quite a few at both spots. Uh, I think, you know, right now we have multiple that we feel really good about. Uh, I don't think the competition is uh, anywhere near over yet, uh, but it's good that I feel like we've got a lot of good options. More from Coach Houston, who talked about Hampton Ergel earning his job as a starter. You've got two guys that are, you know, former head coaches, former coordinators, uh, very experienced, really good ball coaches. You know, Brent and I have a long history. Uh, I've known Shane just from playing against him, you know, a good bit over the years. Uh, and so both of them have a great respect for him. Uh, they're going to elevate our program. Uh, they're both going to bring different things to that room, which I think is really good. Uh, both of them have a little bit different backgrounds, but you can you can take a lot from both of them. Uh, and they're just, you know, genuinely, you know, awesome, you know, high character human beings. And so I think that's they're an asset to our community also. All right, that was uh, cut eight when uh, coach was asked about Shane Montgomery and Brent Thompson. Uh, let's see, Clark, do we have cut seven on Hampton Urgle? Uh, if we do, go ahead and uh, hit that uh, here. Uh, if we do in three, two. Hampton is carrying himself like a starter, and that's that's another kid. Came here as a walk-on, uh, was on the scout team for multiple years. You know, finally traveled. Uh, and then all of a sudden, last year had a chance to start and has taken advantage of that. So another kid that's done a great job of earning, you know, his uh, his position. All right. Um... So that is uh, where we are there uh, with that. Uh, the Pirates, by the way, as far as uh, the remainder of uh, the week, they'll be back in shells tomorrow. They'll have another full pad practice Thursday, helmets for Friday, and then the first uh, scrimmage of camp uh, Saturday inside of Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Uh, we'll have uh, our reporters there Thursday for the uh, uh, summary of uh, what happened with uh, the uh, the Thursday full practice, and then obviously uh, Saturday we'll have uh, folks out there as well to get the aftermath and thoughts on the scrimmage. Uh, Steve and I will be out there as well. A couple more with Mike Houston we didn't get to uh, yesterday. Uh, did we get to the Javius Bond thing, Clark, that was 12 seconds? It seems like we did. Yes, so, I think we did. Okay, so, uh, well, I tell you what, just in case, let's let's play it again. This is Coach from the weekend uh, talking about the running back, Javius Bond. I care about East Carolina University, and I want us to be in the best possible situation in the college football landscape as possible. And so anything that I have control over, I'm going to try to do the very best I can to make sure that uh, that's, that's what we're doing. So um, yeah, all I know is probably in three or four years, I have no idea what uh, college football is going to look like. But uh, East Carolina is going to be a part of it. So that was number eleven, I guess, where he was maybe asked yeah, about found, about. Yeah. Okay. He was asked about the uh, all the the shifting that was gone. This was Saturday when he made that comment. Um. All right. Uh, well, let's. You got ten ready. Let's do that. Yeah. Where he talks about the linebacking room. I think uh, Taylor Jackson, um, Mike is Mike Edwards is, you know, those two are playing very, very well. Uh, BJ is doing a lot of good stuff. You know, the, the competition with, with Taquan and, uh, you know, uh, Zakai, you know, uh, there's, there's, those guys are, are, are doing a good job. The freshmen, um, they're going to be really, really good players in time, but they look like freshmen. So uh, I feel really good about that group uh, that I just mentioned right there, though. And uh, do you have the Boyd one, number uh, nine from yesterday? About the running back, Javius Boyd, the freshman. Let me get a hot second on that. Okay. 
If not, I, I do think we played it yesterday, but uh, I, I'm not 100% sure. All right. No problem. That's today's Pirate Report. Uh, I tell you what, why don't we take a timeout? We have coming up the uh, interim voice of ECU football for the year 2023 on radio, our pal Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network. Lots to talk about with Zoke. And uh, we will uh, talk Panthers about to enter their uh, joint practices with the Jets. And uh, Jim's uh, new role here in Greenville after uh, this timeout. We're from uh, Surf City this week on the Patrick Johnson Show. Download the new IBX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Here in the year 2023, the ECU radio voice for Pirate Football will be our friend, Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network. And Zoke is with us on the phone. We already are going to talk to him every week, so this really just makes it that much better. I think when we get in season, Jim, it'll be more of a Thursday if that works for you. But, uh, you know, it just worked out today because you were the hot name that everybody wanted to talk to. So uh, thank you for hopping on with us, and congratulations. Yeah, we, we've been doing this for years already, and now just uh, the rest of, uh, of Greenville is going to be able to catch on to this. But, yeah, I'm excited, obviously. First of all, thank you. Uh, and uh, been fun going back and forth with some of the ECU fans and the little bit of time we've had so far. And just got back from Panthers practice. Uh, then I uh, watched the, uh, the Mike Houston uh, press conference from post-practice today. And uh, it's a fun time of year. It's all good work and, and fun stuff going on. We've got the Jets coming to town the next two days for joint practice sessions in Spartanburg to wrap up Camp Whopper, as we call it, down there before the first Panthers preseason game Saturday against the Jets. So this week was just door-to-door filled up uh, prior to, obviously, the news that broke with uh, coming on board with the ECU crew. And then I'll be out there next week. Yeah, so I'll come visit next week. Practice, I've been given uh, countless barbecue suggestions uh-huh. and so forth. Yeah. And a very polarizing topic, I've, I've learned. A lot of bees barbecue, but others who are promoting other places. So yeah, yeah. All I can say is it's a long season, and uh, we, we'll just take it one meal at a time. I think you should take it one meal at a time. Uh, the barbecue talk is even more polarizing than door colors. I'm just warning you. I'm just warning There's you. There's a lot man. going on. Yes. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Zoki, by the way, has, has an awesome flag outside of his, uh, his home in this giant gated community he lives in in Charlotte. So I think that's great, by the way. Yeah, we got the pirate flag up. You think we could focus on that, but some people notice I had a blue door. I didn't think to paint my door in the 36 hours since uh, it was the announcement had happened. And it was not painted a particular color to represent a school. It was just a blue door. But uh, here we go. So uh, we'll, we'll get that taken care of when I get a minute. I just I had to get back from Spartanburg. I'll, I'll go to Lowe's just as quick as I can. I, I, I sent you a picture of our door at our home. And it's coral. What color would you call that? It's coral. coral. Yeah. And and here's here's my defense of that. Although I think it looks very good with with uh, our siding and and the stonework. But I I say uh, my wife handled all this, and she did. It's it was her project. I paid for it, but it was her project. I don't pick the house colors either. So the blue door also uh, not my doing. Uh, just a heads up, I do drive a, a very neutral machine, uh, not machine, but it's a gunmetal gray. Ah. I have a machine gray, so it's a gunmetal gray car, so 
it would fit really, I think, any program. Uh, so I think uh, in this case, the, the gray should not offend. I think there, I don't know if there's a team with uh, gunmetal gray and coral in their color scheme out there. Maybe the Marlins might have a little coral, maybe. Well, I'll try not to drive my, my Toyota through your door, uh, and that way we'll never have that combination. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. That would be great. That would be a horrible parking job on my part if I did. Yeah, uh, a lot to talk about uh, with the Panthers, and we are going to get to that, but I just want to ask you, because this is the thing I'm being asked by uh, fans and friends, is how is Zoki going to do both? And and I say, well, there are airplanes. So that that helps. That helps. But it is going to be a little bit of a balancing act to to make both uh, broadcasts in a weekend. You you. And Gene Deckerhoff and our friend Wes Durham and, and others. I think the guy at Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, so you're in good company. You're in that company now. You're the Panthers play-by-play guy does that to a degree too. So uh, yeah, Nate Schroff does yeah. Uh, ESPN college games. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys like that. But like Dave Pash, who does the uh, Arizona Cardinals. You see him all the time uh, doing ESPN games. So yeah, there are obviously going to be some times where it's a little more challenging than others, and uh, I might have to take one for the team, so to speak, and uh, get home at the middle of the night uh, driving back and that kind of thing. But uh, the nice thing is, you know, it's going to be 12 games plus a bowl game, so uh, 13 games. And uh, that's kind of where we start. And and why, you know, again, this is obviously, as we all know, coming together uh, close to the start of the season. So there are things like we do Panther Talk. You guys have your coaches show some things that uh, are not possible to do back and forth. But uh, definitely uh, look forward to getting out there to practice next week. And once – we actually have some meetings coming up uh, via Zoom this week, so we're going to have some uh, production meetings this week, be out there to meet everybody Tuesday, and then we will formulate a plan as to travel, as to uh, how to go about the weekly. Beyond the game, obviously, there's production and interviews and all that kind of stuff that goes into the pregame and all that kind of stuff, so you know, we'll get it done. The work will get done. It's going to sound great. Uh, we're all going to be experts on pirate football, as I know all the, the, the listeners are so smart about it, and uh, look forward to a great season. Obviously, there'll be a lot of changeover on the roster, as is uh, the customary thing for pretty much any college program these days. But uh, it's going to be fun, and it's going to sound great once we get going. Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network, and uh, this season, the voice of ECU football, uh, the games you'll hear on 107.9 WNCT and here on 94.3 The Game. The other thing, Jim, uh, you've been doing this a little while as far as structuring and putting together a broadcast. So uh, I- I'm sure that uh, while we'll hear some things that uh, – we're accustomed to as fans, uh, maybe some freshening up or a new perspective could be brought in and, and NFL-like in a lot of things. Because uh, I, I always believe, and I know you have a big hand in this, I think the Panthers have as slick a, a game day and pregame uh, show as anybody out there. I think it'd be great to share ideas. And, you know, there's a lot that, you know, that I, I'm looking forward to hearing how uh, things have been done with the Pirates Radio Network, but also, yeah, some things that we could talk about that, that we do that uh, might be things to think about and get open to, you know, however things need to be put together, whatever combination, keep it as it is, uh, bring new ideas, but whatever. But yeah, the thing is, it's, to me, it's always about the people. So everybody's going to have their own personality. And, you know, obviously we such reverence for Jeff Charles. I mean, it's just iconic. And so but what a difficult and sad uh, thing to go through now with his passing that we, you know, there's a changing of what's going to be on the air as far as the sound of the game and things he's said and, you know, things that people are used to hearing. And that's just, you know, it's just human nature. So we appreciate the fact that that's going to be different no matter who uh, was going to be in that role. And I've been here with the Panthers for, for 29 years. 
And it, so I certainly know what it's like to be somewhere for a long time, but also now in situations like this, having a niche come in with us, me coming in there, uh, that there are times where, uh, you know, things are all in our If you really think about it in some ways, we're all working a job for a period of time one way or another. So it'll be fun, fresh and exciting. It'll be new. And uh, it's a fun program, first of all. And you got a great coach and obviously some really talented players. Lots changing in college football in the landscape with the conference realignments, obviously affecting uh, the American Conference. Uh, to me, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. And what better way than to start to go to the big house September 2nd at number two ranked Michigan based on the coaches poll and maybe go shock the world there. It's been done before. So I'd love to see ECU pull that off. And you, I know, uh, as you noted, have been with the Panthers for almost three decades. Uh, and, and you probably on Saturdays have gotten to games as a fan. I know you've worked some uh, broadcasts uh, here and there when time allowed an opportunity presented itself. Ever been to Michigan at any point? So I went to, I've not been there for a game. So I went to college in Ohio at Bowling Green State University, which is in Northwest Ohio. And uh, it's like an hour away from Ann Arbor. So I made a couple of visits there just to the campus and you know, to walk around to see the stadium. Have not been there for a football game. So I think it's going to be terrific. I think it's going to be a, what an incredible college atmosphere uh, to go into and test yourself against the best. So have not been there for a game. Growing up in Ohio, I uh, was a Buckeyes fan, even though I went to Bowling Green, but at the as a kid all the way through now, uh, that's always followed the Buckeyes program. So I have a built-in dislike for Michigan. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes this game doubly uh, easy for me uh, to, to be excited about and the rooting interest, obviously, with ECU. So I think it's going to be just a great atmosphere and, and a lot of fun. And I, I, I would love to see the Pirates go up there and just become headline news. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see. Uh, you know, apps made a uh, kind of – made a reputation off of that all these years later uh, it's still brought up so uh be huge for mike houston and the pirates to do that jim zoki uh who will be uh, heard this weekend on our uh, sister station talk 1037 wtib we've had the panthers on that station for years and years and years in eastern north carolina and uh, zoke will be uh involved in the broadcast uh this saturday as the uh, panthers take on the jets zoke uh Kind of some fine-tuning today before the joint practices with the Jets. And uh, what did you observe there? And, and, and Justin Houston, kind of a new face reporting today. Yeah, he spoke afterwards, and uh, I think people are excited about him. He's such a good football player. He's a veteran, 34 years old, but I think a lot of a lot of gas left in the tank there. Four-time Pro Bowl player who, uh, as uh, Frank Reich said after practice today, will, will be a rotational player that you know could play more if they needed him to. And maybe there'll be certain games and spots where you don't want to bring him off the field, but, you know, it's a long season, as he says. So you don't want to wear him down immediately. So they've been looking for that complimentary bookend for Brian Burns, uh, the Pro Bowl player coming off a great season, 12 and a half sacks last year. And so this defense really has got a lot of really key veteran guys on it right now. This is a team that's built to compete in the NFC South right away this year, even though they have a rookie quarterback, both on offense and defense. There's a lot of veteran players and a lot of talent on this team, and it comes back to, I think, a really good coaching staff that knows how to kind of corral all that. So I, I think, you know, for them, uh, they're going to be a factor right away. And, I, you know, they look at this division as being, you know, is not what it used to be, and you start with two games in the division. You start out with Atlanta on the road, home for New Orleans on Monday night. So even though you've got a rookie quarterback, your best chance to make the postseason is to win the NFC South. you got two division games coming up right out of the gate. So there's a certain amount of, yeah, you got to get into it. There's a process and all that, but Sure would be nice to come out with a couple of division wins because, as we all know, this count double with a win for you and a loss for them if you can do it. Yeah. 
Demir Bird, I guess, was injured today, or, or mm-hmm. at least in the last couple of days, or was that today he suffered the injury? Today, yeah, unfortunately, okay. had a hamstring injury there. It's going to keep him out for a number of weeks. And so that that's too bad. It's a deep position uh, for the Panthers, I'll be honest with you. Demir, former Gamecock, uh, competing for a job because of the depth they have uh, with drafting Jonathan Mingo, Karis Marshall back for a third year, and they're behind Adam Thielen and uh, DJ Chark, to me, has probably been the he had a training camp MVP, probably DJ Chark, the way he's made this daily one or two spectacular catches every single day down at training camp. So uh, lucky for the Panthers, they've got a lot of depth there. And then LaVisca Chenault, who will also see some time in the backfield at running back, uh, does not want to be just a running back. He really does want to continue as a wide receiver. You'll see him in a lot of ways. We got uh, Jim Zoki with the Panthers Radio Network and uh, the voice of Pirate Football this season upcoming. Uh, you'll hear Jim here a lot on uh, 94.3 The Game, both as uh, a guest, uh, but also as uh, his role of uh, covering the Pirates this year. Jim's a, a longtime friend, so I couldn't be happier for him, and I know he'll do a, a great job. Hey, Zoke, uh, with these dual practices, they've become in vogue in the last uh, five to seven years. Uh, it seems more league-wide. I know occasionally uh, in years past teams would do them, but it just seems like now that's sort of the – the thing that the NFL does. You see a lot more of it, or at least there's a lot more coverage of it. Maybe that's the case. Still, uh, what what will these next two days in practice be like? In some ways, it's it's a lot more can be determined than than in the game Saturday. Yeah, because, of course, a game is random. Uh, we you, you never know what situations will present themselves, which to some degree you need to practice that, and that will happen on Saturday. But this allows you know coaches to really get looks at certain players and certain situations and matchups agreed upon between the Jets and the Panthers. And it could be you know, a period of goal line, a period of third down, you know, a period of just, you know, whatever contact drills they want to do. And there'll be some contact with that. So tomorrow will be the heavier of the two practice days. Thursday, a little bit lighter, of course, heading into the Saturday preseason game. So I think tomorrow will be the really interesting day. But uh, yeah, just a chance to line up and to play against a team where, you know, you don't know them. I mean, it's one thing when you're out there and you're getting working against your own teammates, but there's a certain competitiveness that amps up, obviously, even in a practice when it's against another team. And in a lot of ways, I think for these coaches, they just love it. And if they all want to, you know, hey, let's run that again. You know, let's let's, you know, let's do three more minutes of this drill, you know, whatever the case may be. So it gives them a chance to kind of do some scripted things and then just uh, you know work on things where both teams are getting something out of it and evaluating their players and trying to run some things. And just like a preseason game, you're not going to give too much away. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to be really good work. And it has really replaced a lot of the preseason work. I would not be surprised to not see Aaron Rodgers at all in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll see him in the preseason. In Green Bay, he didn't play in the preseason. Uh, because he's with a new team, you might see him out there in some form in the next three preseason games you know, for a series or two, but it's going to be very safe work if he does. So I wouldn't have high expectations that Rodgers will play if he does. Maybe a series. I'd almost be surprised if he does that much here at the, the game on Saturday, though. Jim, how's uh, Bryce Young looking? I think he looks, you know, like like any player coming in. He's going to look good, and then he's going to make a mistake, and that's just real. That's just being realistic, and that's what he's been. Uh, but he handles it well, and I think he bounces back quickly when something happens. Uh, there's typically like an interception during the course of a practice, something like that. Credit to the defense at times for doing that. Sometimes, you know, things are also thrown where you know maybe the receiver's not in the the route or the space you think he's going to be in. Uh, but I think by and large, the coaches are pleased with him. And uh, that's my confidence level is you've got a head coach who's a former 
longtime NFL quarterback, 14 years in Frank Reich. You got Josh McCown, who's just wrapped up a long playing career, like 16 years in the league as his quarterbacks coach, Thomas Brown from the Rams. You've got Jim Caldwell from Wake Forest. You have all these guys, all these eyeballs on it. And if they all feel good about where he is and his progress is, uh, those are the experts, and, and I believe them. So I, I think they're very pleased with where he is and his progression right now. Who's emerged as some of his uh, receiver targets? Chark has really been, like the chemistry has been with him more than anybody else so far. I, I believe as the season goes on, it's going to be a talk about running back by committee. I think it's going to be receiver by committee because it's going to also be Hayden Hurst because that's that's very typical of what Frank Reich does is above the tight ends a lot. We've not had that uh, over the last couple of years. So I, I would expect decent numbers from, uh, from Hayden Hurst this year and the other tight ends. Miles Sanders wasn't used as hardly any of a pass catcher last year in Philadelphia, but he did earlier in his uh, career. I think we'll see more of uh, Miles Sanders uh, compared to what he did in Philadelphia as a Panther catching the ball out of the backfield. And then all the receivers I mentioned, you know, Adam Thielen, it's a nice complimentary group. You know, Thielen, the professional route runner, great hands, DJ Chark, a speed guy that can be used in a lot of different ways. The bigger bodied, uh, younger physical guys like Mingo and Terrace Marshall. So it's a, it's a nice group that uh, maybe nobody out of that goes over a thousand yards, uh, but I think you'll have a, a nice group of guys that could be there for him. So, is, do you know will Rogers be with the? I mean, he will, I would guess, be with the team, right? Any any word oh, yeah. on that? Okay. So this, yeah, he'll be. I, I think he'll be active during these joint practice, especially tomorrow's joint practice. Right. I think that's when he'll get the work in. Uh, my thought is more like the preseason game is typically gotcha. in his past has yeah. not been working where he gets out there. Well, he almost broke his toe, according to reports this weekend. So one of their right. rushers <laughs> struck him on his pinky toe, and well, it's back to the cave, you know. For another, you know, time in the dark. Uh, so, will you all get a look at Rogers potentially tomorrow, and a chance possibly to talk with him? Um, you will get a look at seeing him play, of course, in practice. Uh, you know, whether I don't know what the Jets PR team has planned as far as his availability is. Uh, I think people would expect that. So, I think beyond the fact that Hard Knocks is here. Uh, there's going to be national coverage. I'm sure ESPN, NFL Network, a lot of those. Will right, be right, here. right. So yeah. I would think I would think they would probably make him available. Would be my guess. All right. If Zoke, we asked you this last week, I think. If you get the question, what are you going with? Question for Aaron Rodgers uh, would be why, why, <laughs> <laughs> why, Aaron? Just, just all of it. Just why? This guy was just like you know. He just had he had it all going. Was uh, beloved in Green Bay and. I just feel like he overanalyzes everything. Uh, so I, at, at one time he seemed like that cool R E L A X relax everything's good and yeah and now it just feels like it's like all this uh, this chaos and this trauma on and off the field with him and so forth. So hopefully uh, for him uh, he's in a happy spot. So we'll see. So my question would be Aaron, why? Your answer, please. Just, just, just why? Let's hope the lights stay <laughs> on. All of it. Let's hope the lights stay on uh, Saturday. Well, there, there, there's no chance for the lights to go out necessarily Saturday. If they do, so be it. But well, if they do go out, we start at four o'clock. So right, I was going to say okay, you'll be. But... That's what I meant. You're going to be fine, so it doesn't matter. But uh, there you go. All right, Jim. Well, great to talk to you as always, and uh, I'm sure we'll get up with you next week on uh, on a day. But uh, maybe uh, I don't know what the schedule is Tuesday. We'll talk, but uh, we we might try to arrange for you to come by the studios or something Tuesday. We'll see. Okay, well, I'll be in town. So we'll, 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 whatever whatever fits Patrick Johnson's busy ah, schedule, we'll make it happen. There you go. That's what I like to hear. 
Uh, make sure that uh, you tell other people that's how they should answer. All right, Jim Zoki, <laughs> thank you very much, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thank you, Patrick. Yep, there he goes, Jim Zoki uh, with us. Okay, a timeout, and when we come back, a third team has emerged as a possibility to potentially join Stanford and Cal in the ACC. And it's one that Pirate fans are fairly familiar with. We'll tell you about it next. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back. Uh, So we told you before the break, after we talked to Zoke, that there is uh, a new team that has emerged in the conversations with the... uh, ACC possibly at Stanford and Cal. Uh, our guy Ross Dellinger, who's now with Yahoo, we've had Ross on the show before. I try to get him on here in the next uh, several days, but uh, he's reporting today that a third school has emerged for consideration, and uh, that is the eternal uh, team that is always calling other leagues and saying, "Hey, we'll come, we'll show up." SMU. So uh, Southern Methodist to uh, anytime there's an opening. SMU is a lot like the guy who uh, just is constantly seeking a, uh, a date, even though he gets turned down every time. He doesn't let no phase him. That's SMU. Always, always available. I'm always here. It's SMU. Uh, Ross reports a meeting of league presidents on Tuesday. Executives explored the possibility of adding all three universities or inviting only Pac-12's two members. That's, again, Stanford and, and Cal. Uh, administration, administrators, rather, are expected to continue examining the expansion options and will review financial models for both scenarios, adding three or adding just two. For more than a year now, SMU has held various degrees of dialogue with several leagues in the pursuit to join a power league, including the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC. A small private school, SMU resides in the populous metro of Dallas, talent-rich football state, the article reads, a university would arrive at a reduced rate, employing a rich donor base and healthy desire to advance to the power four level. So they've already started that uh, as the power four. University is open to foregoing conference distribution pay for its first several years in the new league. SMU officials held similar conversations with Pac-12 administrators. It would make some sense if they decided to do that, the ACC, only because it would at least give you a team. Because right now the furthest team west is Louisville. And it would give you uh, some members a little further west to deal with Stanford and uh, Cal. And again, this is the ACC's attempt just to keep up with the Big Ten and SEC as best they can. Interesting stuff. All right, thanks to Jim Zoki for being with us. We'll be back in the morning on Talk of the Town. Talk 103.7, Talk 96.3 at uh, 7 in the morning. Back here tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. Talk a little golf with Brian Mull here from uh, Mason Garcia and Darius Wood. Thanks to Clark Willis. We'll catch you tomorrow on the PJ Show.